Good morning and welcome again to Mentor. We're so glad that your families are here this morning. We're glad that we as a community get to come together. We're glad that, that as, a, as a family we walk this, this road together, this broken road of life and that, that leads us in so many different directions. But somehow, some way, through, through prayer or, or through the, the, the vision that you've seen of your grandparents or, or perhaps a mother, you know, at some point we all get led back to this place. We all get led back here for hope. And so this morning, as we gather, we're, we're continuing in this conversation, talking about how God makes very much out of very little. Last week, we were talking about faith. We were talking about small faith. And then that song, which I love, by the way, I love that song. And, and uh, at this time of year, it's, it's common for people like me to have trouble with their allergies. And that song really, uh, really brings out the allergy attack in me. But it says it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Good thing, because a little faith is all I have. You know, perhaps you've felt that way before. Maybe today you're riding a hive. Today maybe your, your spirit and your soul cries out to God and, and you're just here lifting your praise. Maybe you're doing that through tears. Maybe you're doing that through laughter. Maybe you're doing that through, through sunlight. Maybe you're doing that through darkness. But, but for whatever reason you're here today, remember that God adores you. He loves you. He is for you. He is fighting for you. He will never give up on you. He'll never quit pursuing you. God is for you. And so today as we gather, we come not for the purpose of God serving us, but that we, we, we would have the chance to serve him. As we come, we get to lift our voices. We get to lift our songs. We get to lift our hearts back to him. And he takes that little bit of, of broken faith. He takes that, that big chunk of, of your hope and of your heart that we deliver back to him, and he, he performs miracles through it. He saves us. He changes us. He equips us. He sends us. He sends us out into the world where we could go and tell that story. Last week, we were talking about small faith. We were talking about mustard seed type faith. And I asked you a question. I said, what's your mustard seed? You know, where is it that God is, is needing just a little bit of extra faith from you? Where is that, that small piece that you just cling to? There's something that, that says, I just have to keep clinging to this one piece of hope. Maybe it's that my marriage will survive. Maybe it's that my job will last. Maybe it's that my kids will return. Maybe it's that, that, that somehow God will be able to use me. But we cling to that small piece of faith. We cling to that small piece of faith. And God says, if you'll show him that faith, he'll take it and he'll move mountains. He'll do miracles. He'll, he'll save us. He'll restore us. He'll reconcile us. He'll draw us back together. And so we talked about small faith last week. This week, we're going to talk about small gifts. You see, God's God's really sort of an interesting person as we look at, at the Bible, as we look at his life, as, as we look at the things that were important to him. You see, because the things that, that he really focused on, the things that were most important, the things that, that made him uh, exclaim, the things that brought all to him were small things. It was the little stuff that, that we commonly overlooked. It was the sort of stuff where it's like, wow, I, I didn't even think of that. Let me read you a few verses to show you where his heart was then where it is now, and where it'll be tomorrow. He says things like this. In Mark chapter 9, he says, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me doesn't just welcome me, uh, but the one who sent me. On in Matthew chapter 18, he said, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, and they asked, 
Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a, a little child to him, and he placed the child among them, and he says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the, the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. He goes on to say in Matthew, So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is really important, folks, because here's where he starts to conclude in Luke. He says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. As my heart lingered on these words and, and these verses this week, it's because God is, is building something in this place. As you look at just a few minutes ago, this mass exodus of children starts to go out from these aisles. They, they leave your, your pews or your rows, and they, they go into these classrooms. On Wednesday nights, we're, we're filling up the youth house. On, on Wednesdays, we're in here playing, and, and we're drawing children into this place. You know, this was unusual that Jesus would put so much attention on children at this time. Historically, and if you put it in the context of what was going on, it wasn't just that he was saying children are important to me, and they said, well, duh, of course, everybody loves children, everybody loves a baby, everybody crowds around when they see a little infant. That's not the way it was during Jesus' time. You see, people had lots of children, and the reason they did is because they needed to multiply their workforce. They had farms, they had herds, they had jobs that had to be done, and the more kids they had, well, the more farmhands they had. And you know what? Mortality rates were really high. It wasn't common for kids to make it out of, you know, five, six, seven years old. And so if you could get a, a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old, man, now you've really got something. But here's the difference between then and perhaps now. Children were made to be seen, not heard. Children weren't supposed to make a ruckus. Children weren't supposed to live. Children weren't supposed to be around adults. Children certainly weren't to be asking questions or, or being inquisitive that way. There was a place and a time for children, and it wasn't in the sight of men. Get out from this place. And so everywhere Jesus went, the kids wanted to see who it was and, and what all the clutter and the, and the commotion was about. They wanted to see this person that was healing the, the, the people who were sick. He wanted, they wanted to see the person that was raising the dead. And so they wanted to see him. But the disciples and the other people in the crowd were, were putting up a barrier. They were keeping the children from getting to him. And so as a result of that, Jesus says, no, bring them to me. And here's why they're important. He says, because you have to teach your children what I'm teaching you. Because if we don't hand that off to the next generation, if we don't effectively hand this story, the greatest story that's ever been told, if we don't put this book in their hands, and if we don't put these words in their heart, it dies with us. It ends. And so, so Jesus says, call the children to me. And he says things like, whoever treats a, a child with, with love, whoever treats this child with, with compassion, does so as if they're doing it for me, and you're not just doing it for me, but you're doing it for my Father. And so, he says, whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. And when you see these rows emptying out with dozens and dozens of children every Sunday and every Wednesday, what we've been trusted with are a bunch of littles. We've got a bunch of littles around here that, that we need to raise up, and those littles need to become mediums, and those mediums need to become larges, and if it's anything like the, my family, they become extra larges. And so, but it's our responsibility to care for them, not just with clothes, 
not just with food, not just with internet and iPads, but with God. It's our responsibility to take care of these kids and to hand this message off. And so, so we find ourselves in a position where God has entrusted these littles to us. And the question is, will we be trustworthy? To this point, the answer has been a resounding yes. When you look at this church and the things that we do, like when we have family worship, where we don't, we don't just push them away and, and put them out, but we welcome the kids in here. That first Sunday of the month, we, we worship together, not for the purpose of, of, of just trying to have more noise in the sanctuary, because that happens, but we welcome them in here because we're handing this book off to them and these words into their hearts. We have to keep doing that. We, can't, we have to keep having programs that, that, that help them learn these words and these stories. We have to not only teach them the stories, but we have to teach them how it applies to their life. We have to be investing these gifts into these children so that we can hand this faith off to the next generation because you and I won't be here that long. Then it's the children's job, and then it's their children's job. But first, God hands it to us. We have an opportunity to do that. In fact, right now, we've talked about it some. You know, we've already been, been making plans. The youth house, the youth have already outgrown it. Uh, and as, as wonderful as the youth building has been as a, a separate home for them, the termites have only left the paint uh, and the metal doors. That's what they've left of that building over there. Uh, it gets tested on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Margaret told me. Uh, there's some structural testing that goes on in there every Tuesday uh, with the refit class. They're jumping around in there, but the kids jump around too. They're out of room, and that's a good problem to have hallelujah and amen that we get the opportunity to invest in the littles and we get trusted with the littles and so we're already starting to come up with plans the trustees have been meeting and and we've been talking in council and and we've been having some uh some folks already coming out we've already had engineers here to look at how we might start to expand several months ago i cast some vision for you in here on on how the church is growing and what some of the needs are in order for us to to continue to hand this book and these words off into people's hearts and and minds and so in order to do that what we're looking at doing is expanding the building just a bit adding a, a new space for the youth and, and for the student ministries and, and adding a little bit more space where we can have fellowship. And, and right now we're out of classrooms. The men's class is meeting in one of the kids' classrooms right now because they were out of room in the room they were in. And so we're, we're looking at perhaps adding some additional classrooms on because, because more and more opportunities are being presented to us to hand this book off and these words into people's hearts. And if God's going to trust us with this thing, then we have to trust him and step into that. Now, I don't know exactly what the building's going to look like. I don't know exactly how that's going to happen. And, and thankfully for you guys, I'm not in charge of that, right? I'm not, I'm not the one who's in charge of that. We are together. We're in this thing together because it's our responsibility together to raise and to treat these littles as if they're much. And so this morning, I'm going to depart from the way that I have historically done things here. And, and we have a few visitors with us this morning, and, and good morning and welcome. We're so glad you're here. I need to let you know that for the first time in five years, I'm going to talk about giving today. We're going to talk about giving, but for the purpose of saying that it's for the littles. It's for the kids that we would invest in them. And so, so I appreciate you humoring me again on this, because again, it's the very first time since I've been a pastor at this church that I have said a word about giving. But we're going to talk about small gifts today, and we're going to talk about how powerfully God can use them. Here's what God wants more than your money. Here's what God wants more than, than your change. Here's what he wants more than your checks. Here's what he wants more than any of those things. What God wants 
is your heart. What he wants from you is your gift and your return to him. It's important to understand the the way that we put the emphasis on this. It's your heart. It's about what he's called you to do. You know, don't listen to the church. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to the people and the the talking heads around you. Don't, Don't be compelled because of what you see one person do or what another person does. The only person that matters here is God. Listen to him. When we read in his word and when we see what he says in Deuteronomy, it says, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way that the Lord God has blessed you. When you search your heart, when you take inventory for your relationship with God, when, when you look at the way that God has blessed you and whatever those ways are, when you look at your current finances and you look at your own heart and those things, they have to come together and the intersection of your heart and your budget is where a gift begins. And it says that, that if we'll bring him our little, he'll make much of it. But it's between you and him. Here are a few things that are important for you to know. There are, there are walls built all over inside the church as far as the way we conduct our finances. Somebody like me has zero access to understand or to know what a single person in this church gives. I don't know that. Nobody does. There's only a few small group of people that take the, the things that go into those little baskets that then get deposited in the bank that then turns into a tax giving statement for you. There's just a small group of people, one or two, and that's the only people in the world who knows it. I only know what one family in this church gives, and that's mine. But you know, giving is one of those, those sort of funny topics. I got the opportunity on Friday to volunteer up at the middle school. So Jamie and Brian and I and, and a bunch of people got to volunteer at the middle school. We've been developing a relationship with Tanya Sloan up there. And, and so we went to this volunteer opportunity, and they're teaching kids about life. And so all of these seventh graders, and by the way, seventh graders are like the funniest creatures in the world, right? Sixth graders are all really small and, and sort of in a, a certain place in life as far as emotionally and behaviorally, and they all sort of look the same. Eighth graders are on the other end. You know, they've gone from littles to big, and now all of a sudden these kids need to shave, and it's like, what in the world? They're taller than me, and, and so it's crazy. And seventh grade is this mix of all of those. You've got tiny little kids. You've got big men or women, and, and so it's the, it's the goofiest group of people you've ever seen. But they brought these kids into the gymnasium a group at a time, and, and so they gave them a, a little pamphlet. And In that pamphlet, it said what job they had. They'd been talking about what type of job they might like to have, and then they did some research on how much those jobs make, and so they saw what their before tax was and what their after tax was, and, and then it said that they've got this many kids and they've got this much in the bank and all these things. And So they then had to go around, and they had to take care of the stuff that we have to take care of. They had a grocery shop. They had to pay their light and heat bill. They had to find transportation. They had to figure out child care. And they're like, it costs that much for a baby to go to the daycare? Yes, it probably costs more than that. So they had to think about, you know, uh, all of those things. They had to think about housing. They had to think about furniture. I was sitting at a really unique spot. I was sitting at a community place. And so as the kids came to my spot, what I got to tell them was something different. And what I told every kid who walked up is I said, this is your chance to make your community better. Unlike the rest of these places, you have to have somewhere to live. You have to buy groceries. You have to pay your light bill. You have to do all of those things. But at this place, you don't have to do anything. See, it, it only depends on what's in your heart and what's in your budget. And so I said, this is your opportunity to invest in your community and to leave it a little better than you found it. 
And the way that you can do that on this sheet, it says that you can support your local church. You can support local charities like the SPCA or the, the Boys and Girls Club of America, or you can support Habitat for Humanity. And then the next group was to say you could support local families in need. And so some of the kids are looking at their budget, and they're looking at what, it, what they might give, and they're like, well, I'd, I'd really like to support the church, but I only have 13 cents left over, you know? Or, uh, or I just came from the, uh, the welfare department because I ran out of money, and they're helping me. And, so, I, uh, and so, so we had this really neat opportunity to teach kids about budgets, but we also got to teach kids about priorities, Everybody started with their housing. Everybody started with transportation and food and started working their way down. And, and so it was really interesting that the kids ended up to me as the very last station. And so some of them came to me, and they, they had plenty of, of surplus left over. And out of that surplus, they wanted to give. And some of them were like, I've got $900 left over. Just divide it evenly among all of them. I'll give it all away. You know? and, and others would say, well, I've got $600 left, but I don't know what's going to happen next month, so, so let me get a couple of months together in a row, and then maybe I'll consider giving. And so it was all over the board. But then there was those kids who said, well, I want to tithe. They came to me early, and I said, well, some people are, are making a decision now, and other people are waiting until later. And so there were some kids who said, no, I want this to be first. This needs to come out first, because if I can't afford something else, I'll have to figure out you know, things like clothing or entertainment or furniture. I can borrow a couch from somebody, but i got to give this first. And so it was really interesting to see the different thoughts on these kids' minds. And you could tell that it was because of the way that they were being raised at home. You could see that they were starting to learn this. So they'd say, I want to support the church. And I would say, okay, well, what's traditionally taught in the churches at your church and, and, and now is that you, we would tithe. And, and so we got to talk about this concept of tithing. Can you imagine that a pastor was allowed inside the Cable County Middle School, the largest school in the state of Kentucky, and I'm teaching kids about tithing to the church? Can you imagine Honestly, it was, it was such a surreal thing. And the funniest part about it, and I told some of the kids and some of the people around me, is I said, I've spoken more about tithing to the seventh grade students at Campbell County Middle School than I have to Mentor Church the entire time I've been there. And, and that's because the church has just given and, and been so, so wonderfully generous uh, with your gifts and your talent. And so, so I haven't talked about it because it's not something that runs through my mind. And, and so today, I just wanted to talk to you again a little bit about some of these small gifts. We have to bring your heart. It's what's in your heart and what's in your budget. The same way I told those kids, the decision that you get to make is, where do you make that decision? Do you make that decision at the beginning or do you make that decision at the end? Do you give out of surplus or do you give out of deficit? Do you give to a, a point that it hurts? Do you give to a point that it's easy? Do you give to a point that it, it's something that you don't think about? Or are you saying it'll be next month or the month after? None of those answers are wrong. The only place it's wrong is if you're not listening to your heart and if you're not listening to God. See, seek him. Seek what he has for you and then be faithful to walk that out. I said you have to bring your heart, but here's when it's important bring your heart. You got to bring it. There's this concept of bringing, and, and so whether you bring it because it, it goes into a basket and you, you fold up a bill or you fold up a check, whether you do it that way or whether you do it on our app where you do online giving, those things don't matter. It doesn't matter what the number is. It doesn't matter which way you do it, but bring your gift. Bring your gift of your time, your talent, your treasure, Bring those to God. Present that back to him. It's biblical. It's right. And I'm telling you, you'll be blessed because of it. 
Jesus was at the temple and they were watching the people as they were bringing their gifts. The way they did it at the time is they would have pots that were sitting around by the entrances and the exits. Sometimes it was in the outer courts and sometimes it was in some of the more interior areas. But people would come and as they would leave, they would drop in their gift to the church. They would deposit what they had. And, and what, the, what the disciples were seeing is some people were coming and they were dumping all of these large sums of coins and some were silver and some were gold and, and they, the pots were literally over overflowing you know like you see on lucky charms or you see uh, leprechauns where there's this overflowing pot of like coins well that's what it would have looked like and so they're looking at it and their eyes are are glazed over because they've been walking around and they're dusty and they're dirty and they're finding coins in the bellies of fish you know they they certainly don't see pots overflowing like this people are, are bringing things like perfume and they're bringing them loaves and and little fish and and so God's multiplying those small little gifts and so they're seeing people just overflow this pot while they're looking at the people who are giving this abundant gift, Jesus sees something else. He sees a woman who's walking up and her clothes aren't as shiny, they, they aren't as clean, her back isn't quite as straight, and her, her chest isn't, isn't puffed out as much as the rest of them. She's not proud of herself and, and she's not coming to show off. She comes and she takes two of the smallest little meaningless coins. She takes these two little small coins that they said when they add up was the equivalent of perhaps a penny. It wasn't enough to buy food. It wasn't enough to buy, you know, a candlestick. It wasn't enough to send a kid to camp. It certainly wasn't enough to build an addition onto the temple. But she brought these two gifts. And, and here's why it got Jesus' attention. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw, saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Then Jesus teaches, and he says, Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow is put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave hers out of poverty, and she put all that she had to live on in that pot. She gave it all. She poured it all out, and so for Jesus, it wasn't the amount that mattered. It was the faith that she put into him. You see, our giving of our time, our talent, our treasures, our prayer is an opportunity for us to demonstrate our gratitude to God. It says that, that you should bring your gift, bring what God compels you to out of the, the blessing, you know, out of the blessing that God has shown you. And so this is our opportunity to show our gratitude, to show our obedience, and to show our dependence upon God. God comes, he doesn't need your money. He sort of figured it out before you got here, and he's going to sort of figure it out after you go. But the church is God's avenue. The church is God's vehicle to give this book and to give these words and to deliver this hope in the name of Jesus. And so in order for the church to work and in order for the church to grow and in order for us to be responsible for the littles and in order for them to do much, we funnel those gifts that way. And so Jesus sees this widow come with those two small coins and he's amazed by her faith. She gave the money that she had for food, and she gave it to the church. I'm not asking you to, to empty out your checkbook. Please, again, remember, I've never, ever in my life preached about giving, and I'm obviously not very good at it. But this is important. It's important to me. It's important to you. It's important to this church. And God shows us that it's important to him. And again, it doesn't matter what the amount is. Listen to your heart. Listen to God and follow him. You know, as I was thinking about and praying over this message, I was, of course, reminded that this is Palm Sunday. This is the, the day that we recognize and we remember that Jesus came back into the city. 
for all of the travel that he and the guys had been doing through Samaria and and through Galilee, for all the, the cities and the towns that they had been visiting, Jesus went. He walked and he was telling the story of of redemption. But now, but now this dusty prophet, now this this guy that some were saying was a heretic, now this guy that some were shouting hosannas to saying he is king, he returned to the city. The city was in a stir and it was it was a buzz because it was Passover. They were remembering how God had delivered them and how the the angel of death had passed over their houses. And and so the city was abuzz with with all those who had come into the city for this celebration. Even Jesus and his guys were were making ready for that Passover meal where they would celebrate and remember what God had done for them and for their generations before them. And so Jesus was coming. And he sent his guys and he said, I want you to get a donkey. You'll find it tied up. And he says, I want you to get it and I want you to bring it. Jesus is placed on top of this, and he rides into the city. He enters the city not as a prophet, not as a healer, not as a teacher, not as a good man. He enters the city as a king. And so as Jesus comes, I want to tell you about one of the the forgotten parts of this story. Listen to the story of your Savior, of your King, of your God entering the city. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road, it said the crowds uh, that went ahead of him and those that followed, they started shouting things like, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What an amazing story that starts to unfold now. The king has come home. The king is back in his holy city. The one that was prepared long ago is the place where God would dwell in the holy of holies inside the temple. The people were remembering what God had done. They were remembering how he had brought them out of Egypt and how he brought them through the Red Sea. They're remembering how God had toppled the walls of, of cities and given them provision. They're remembering how, how God was always with them and gave them favor, how God protected them, how God restored them, how God saved them. And now they're calling on him because they've got the Romans and they've got these other people around them who were oppressing them and they're calling out for a king they're looking for a savior they're looking for the messiah that had been talked about in the old testament and now here he comes hosanna in the highest jesus is here our king is here and so the city was in a stir we celebrate the story and and a lot of times we even see kids come down the the rows of churches waving their palm branches and saying hosanna it's a wonderful sight but let me tell you the most special part of this story The people who lined those streets, the people who shouted, took the shirts off their backs. They took the shirts off their backs. The widow gave all she had. The people took their shirts off their backs to lay a path for Jesus to bring hope into the city. And for you, it might be the shirt off your back. For you, it might be the last two coins. For you, it might be something else. But I'm telling you that whatever the gift is that God calls you to do, we're laying it down before Jesus. And he rides across it, delivering that book, those words, that hope, 
and that salvation to a group of children and youth who will be the kingdom. When you get to heaven someday, you're going to see the person who invested their time, their talent, their treasure, and their prayer in you. And someday, these kids will get to heaven and they'll see you. They'll say you, and they'll see you, and they'll say, it's because of you and the way that you loved me. It's because of you and the way that you served me. It's because of you and the way that you taught me. It's because of you and the way that you showed me. This is our responsibility as a church. This is our responsibility as a community and as a kingdom that we would invest, invest in these littles. We've been made responsible for little. Let us make much of it. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, you are so good. God, you are so good. And Father, I just praise you this morning that, that we could gather and, and Father, we could see how, how faith is lived out. Lord, we know that, that you don't want part of us. You want all of us. And so, Father, I come to you today and I bow at the foot of your cross. And Lord, I spread out my, my cloak. I give you my two cents. And Father, I watch where you lead. Lord, may we be faithful to lead the next generation. May we be faithful to draw in the crowds and the churches. And, and Lord, if the noise level goes up, it's okay because it's life and it's kids, and it's the next generation. And so, Father, as we bow here, may we bring our small faith. May we bring our mustard seed. May we bring our hearts. And we, may we find ourselves at the place where you gave everything for us. Lord, for all the sin that separates, one man saved us. For all of the sin that brought darkness, it was where the blood ran red that you washed us clean. And so, Lord, grab us today. Save us today. Teach us and lead us today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen? Okay. In five years, we're going to talk about this again. So I hope you took good notes because we'll circle back to this in a few, few years, just a few short years. But until then, it's important to remember that, that God has blessed you. He's gifted you, and he wants you to respond to him. Maybe that's by joining. Maybe that's by going. Maybe that's by being baptized. Maybe that's by turning your life over to him today. Whatever that is, know that, that this place is open to you always. If you just want to pray, if you want somebody to pray with you, come. If you need hope, if you need healing, if you need restoration, if you need a relationship fixed, come. Come and bring your heart because it's at this place where the, the blood runs red, where Jesus saves. Would you stand with me this morning as we sing about that Savior?